Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Grab a seat and give it up for the band while you do so. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, we are going to be in a series this week in the evenings and in the mornings called Conversations with Jesus. Um, we're going to look at every night a different conversation that Jesus has with somebody and how that changes their life. Okay, And in the mornings, uh, we're blessed tremendously by having Dr. Reverend Bo Bradshaw join us in the mornings, and he's going to walk us through how to talk to Jesus, how to have conversations of our own with Jesus. Um, let me ask too, as well, are we recording? Are we all good to go with that as well? Awesome. So this year, for the first time, our Beach Camp sermons should be available afterwards as well for you to take out. Um, I do encourage you to bring a notebook with you. I do encourage you to bring your Bible or to take notes in your phone. We're going to be uh, doing a lot of jumping around, and, and I think it's going to be awesome. Um, so I'm excited. But again, the theme for this week is called Conversations with Jesus. Uh, and the title for tonight's talk or sermon is, You Must Be Born Again. My prayer for you this week is that you will be more overtaken by, you will be more excited about, more obsessed with, and more amazed at the glory of God than the ocean 50 feet away. I pray that this week something happens to you, middle school or high school or adult, that the Holy Spirit will do what He does so often. He will, not, not through some magical burning bush moment, but that He will take a verse, He'll take a sentence, He'll take a story in God's Word, and He will track you down with it. He will lodge it into your heart so deeply and so profoundly that you cannot shake it. You cannot get it out of your soul. That it will thrill you and lead you into a deeper hunger and a deeper love of God. That the Holy Spirit takes something in this book and lodges it into your soul so deeply that you have to do something about it. In sixth grade... I was at Ashworth Middle School in Calhoun, Georgia, in Miss Mosley's math class. And I sat every day right next to the most important and least looked at poster in the entire room, the class rules. We went over these every day in Miss Mosley's math class, and I still could not remember them. Uh, I obeyed them, but I never paid attention to them. I couldn't have cared less about that poster and her rules. I was also in Miss Mosley's math class on September 11th, 2001. And she told me about the and she, she she was told about the attack on the Twin Towers and immediately turns on the news and we sat there for an hour and we watched and listened. Um, I have never paid closer attention, okay? I've never paid closer attention to anything in that class than I did when I heard about the news. My dad remembers where he was when John F. Kennedy got shot. I remember exactly where I was when my brother told me he was going to propose to his girlfriend, now wife, so that went well. Uh, I remember where I was when Duke won the national championship in basketball in 2010. Yeah, Misty, there we go. Here's my point with all these, with all these kind of unrelated things. They're all related, listen, in that they are news. News impacts us in a way that nothing else does. You see, rules just sit there, and maybe you'll obey them, and maybe you won't. 
But news impacts your life in a way that nothing else can. News comes into your life and bends your life around it. Your life will change based on what has happened. Your life will change based on this news. The word gospel is Old English for God, meaning good, and spell, meaning news. The word evangelize, evangelism, evangelical. Ev means good, and angel means announcement or news. Gives you a clue as to why these people were called angels in the Bible. The reason I tell you these words is not so you can impress other people here at Beach Camp, which I'm sure you will. The reason I'm telling you this is to show you that the heart of our religion, the heart of what we believe as Christians is news. Good news of great joy that does what news does. It breaks into your life at beach camp, at Collide, on a Sunday morning, in a small group, in Sunday school. All of a sudden, this news breaks into your life, this good news of the gospel, and it bends your life around it. That's what becoming a Christian is. And Jesus brings glorious news in chapter 3 of John. You must be born again. Turn to John chapter 3 if you have your Bibles. John chapter 3. And we're going to take a swing, maybe at putting it up on the TV. I don't know how that's going to go, but we're, we're going to see how, hey, we're going we're to make it work. John chapter 3. We're going to read verses. I'm going to take you through a little piece of it, and then we'll talk about it. Then I'll take you through a piece of it, and then we'll talk about it. Okay? John chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. And also, high schoolers, kind of look around for the middle schoolers and just be looking on for people who don't know where that is. Okay? Middle schoolers look out for each other as well. People who don't know where that might be. Okay? John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Here we go. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus was, the, was a man of the Pharisees. He was a ruler of the Jews. Let me kind of set the scene here, okay? Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He's in what's called the Sanhedrin, all right? Nicodemus is in what's called the Sanhedrin. Uh, this is above the Pharisees. This is a Greek word that means council or assembly. It was the supreme court in Israel. This was the Sanhedrin. They were obviously experts in Jewish law, upstanding men in the community. These were good guys. These were good people. Nicodemus was a big deal. And he's coming to Jesus to know more. Now tell me out loud, when does Nicodemus come to Jesus? It says he came to him by what? By good, by night. There's a curiosity that Nicodemus has about Jesus Jesus was always surrounded by crowds during the day, right? So much so, you'll see this in the Bible over and over and over again, so much that he had to withdraw himself, always trying to get away from all this attention. 
The crowds would gather so close to Jesus that it was standing room only. Remember when the man was lowered through the roof by his friends? There are so many people that they can't get to Jesus. 20,000 people at the feeding of the 5,000, right? Those were just the men that were counted. 20,000 people there. Nicodemus doesn't play that game. He's VIP. He doesn't want the crowds. He doesn't want the attention. He needs to talk to Jesus, and it needs to be alone. So he goes at night when everyone else has gone home. And we'll see later on that this was the beginning of a huge change in Nicodemus' life. Now listen, and it started with an itching in his heart. It started with a curiosity to know more. A curiosity to know more. One of our prayers, listen, one of our hopes for you this week, regardless of your age, regardless of what your situation, one of our hopes for you this week is that you will at the very least leave here with the same curiosity that Nicodemus had. That something in your brain, that something in your heart will begin to turn and you will go from someone who does not care about God to someone who at least wants to know more. Uh, John Piper is my favorite pastor, preacher ever. He's all right, there we go. He's awesome. Um, he has a son named Barnabas Piper, which is super unfortunate kind of a name. Um, but Barnabas, there you go. Barnabas wrote a book called The Curious Christian. Remember, Nicodemus, he wants to know. There's an there's a itching and something's happening. He wants to know more. And this is what we hope for you. He wrote a book called The Curious Christian. And in it, he says, hell is real. And it is full of people who were never once curious about God. Hell is real and it is full of people who were never once curious about God. We must think about God. We must begin to get the will. No matter what age you are, it looks different for different people. It looks different me thinking about God than a sixth grader thinking about God. But we can both get that wheel turning. And that's the part of the point of this week. People always talk about how much they love beach camp because there's, there's so few distractions. And that's intentional. That's the point. We want to get this wheel turning. And our job is to keep it turning once you leave. This curiosity about Jesus has drawn Nicodemus in. Go back to verse 2. And when I find it, that's when we will read it. Here we go. This man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come here from God as a teacher. For no one can do the signs and miracles that you do. Unless God is with him. Nicodemus calls him rabbi, which means teacher. It actually it means great teacher of great number or great in knowledge. This is a term of politeness and respect. Okay? He's just addressing Jesus in a polite way. Nicodemus is thinking, I'm a teacher, and so are you, right? He's amazing. He's in the Sanhedrin. He's, he's one of the Supreme Court justices of Israel. We both know the law. We're coming here to talk. We're on equal footing. We know that you're from God. We see that. And then Jesus comes at him in verse 3 with something that seems to make no sense. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus says, you may want to circle where it says truly, truly, or verily, verily, for my KJV people in the room. Um, good, good for you. Um, John's, fun fact, you may want to start again. John's gospel is the only one, only one where it doubles like this. It's the only gospel where Jesus will double truly, truly. And when it's doubled like this, 
truly, truly, then a statement. When it's doubled like this, it means the statement following is true, but it also means the person saying it has firsthand experience. So truly, truly, and then I say, so this thing that I'm about to say to you, not only do I know, I have firsthand experience in this. Jesus is saying, what I'm about to tell you is true. I have firsthand knowledge. I've seen it. And he says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. This seems totally unrelated to what Nicodemus was just talking about. We know you're a teacher. We know you're from God. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Now think about what just happened. Nicodemus says, we, Nicodemus says, we know that you're from God. And Jesus says, you cannot see the kingdom of God. This word for know, okay, in your Bibles in, where, where Nicodemus says, we know that you are from God. And the word for see, in verse 3, that Jesus, it's the same word in Greek. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, New Testament is written in Greek. And, and think about it, if you know it, you see it. You, know, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying, right? You know what I'm saying? I can interchange those things. That's what he's saying here. Um, it's basically Nicodemus is saying, look, man, we see that you're a great teacher from God. And Jesus says, no, no, you can't see anything about me yet. You must be born again. We know who you are, Jesus. You don't know anything about me yet. You must be born again. You think you see me so clearly. But you can't see me for who I really am. Unless you've been born again. That's what he's saying. Um, when I was in fourth grade. So me, Delana, Russell. Okay, When I was in fourth grade, Delana was in second and we both got glasses at the same time. Shout out to the Walmart Vision Center in Calhoun, Georgia. Right? We both got glasses. And so my vision is like, I'm like 20-20 in the left and tw like 20-30 in the right. It's not that bad. But Delana is like 20-40 over here and 20-50. It's bad. Like Delana can't see. Okay? Delana is like clinically like unable to do that. Right? So she's, she's not doing so great. So we, we both get glasses. And as we're leaving, we're driving home. And Delana is, is legitimately like, like, I'm just, I kind of tell it, it's clear, that's right. But Delana's like, Mom, look, there's trees over there. Look, there's a playground over there. I had no idea this was back. I couldn't even, I had no idea this was back. And Celia's like, I'm such a bad mom. Like, the whole way, she's like, I didn't know you could. And I'm sitting there like, oh, Mom's crying. What do I do? Like, as a fourth grader. But, like, but Delana was like, I, there's trees back there. There's, there's, there's a playground. I can't believe, I had no idea this stuff was here, Mom. Now, follow me. Delana thought her vision was fine until she could really see. Delana thought her vision was fine until she could really see. We know who you are, Jesus. You don't know anything about me yet. Until you have been born again. Nicodemus is saying, we see that you're a teacher from God. Our, our vision is fine, Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you are blind to everything I'm doing. Until you are born again. He talks about what, what, what is this blindness? What is he talking about? Look at verse 3 again. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. What does that mean? You cannot see the kingdom of God. Let me give you some examples. When someone wrongs you, okay? I mean for real. When someone wrongs you, when someone does you wrong, when someone does you dirty, does you wrong, and I come to you and I say, and you're, you're fuming, you're so mad at them, 
You can't put it down. You can't stop thinking about it. And I go to you and I say, you've got to forgive them in your own time, but you've got to forgive them. And you, you, and you know this. You immediately kick back and say, I, how dare I do? I'm not going to show love to them, Ryan. I'm not going to love my enemy. They're, they're, listen, they're not even sorry for it. They're not even sorry they did it. I'm not going to forgive them. How could I possibly do that? I don't see any good. You, you don't what? I don't see any good. Re, you can't see it. You don't see why this is a good idea. You can't see the kingdom. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. There is so much good in our own heart and for other people when we forgive them. Well, I can't see the good in that. I'm not doing that, Ryan. I can't see why. I'm so angry with them. I can't see why that's a good idea. It's not that you can't see why that's a good idea, friend. It's that you can't see the kingdom in it. Ryan, I know I'm not supposed to look at bad stuff on the internet, but this has taken over my brain. It's taken over everything that I, that I think about. I can't help but look at it. I can't help it. It takes over everything. I can't help it. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I know that. But this stuff on the internet is constantly in my head. It's all I can see right now. My anger is all I can see right now. My insecurity and my anxiety just takes over. It's all I can see right now. There is a kingdom for you to see. And when you see it, in the eyes of your heart, when you see the kingdom, its light will wash out all that darkness. It will wash out all that anger and show you why it's good to forgive. It'll wash out that insecurity and give you the strength to walk in it. It'll wash out that lust and, and help you get help with that. It'll make you want to. There is a kingdom for you to see. And you don't have to climb the ladder to get up to it. God came down to show you. Jesus says over and over and over in the Gospels, repent for the kingdom of God is here. He's bringing it to us. And the kingdom is, listen, it's not physical buildings. It's what we see through faith and hold on to in faith. Not perfectly. No one in here is asking you to be perfect. But consistently, not perfectly, but consistently, we try to see the kingdom. Lord, help me see why it's good to forgive this person. Help me see why it's good to have this conversation. Help me see why it's good to bring my parents in on my pornography addiction. Help me see why it's good to bring in, to bring in community here. Help me see why... What my parents were saying actually makes some sense. Help me see these things. It is the kingdom. I see that God's approval is better than man's. I see that forgiveness will free my soul. I see that he will take care of me. It's the kingdom that we see. Look at verses 4 and 5. So this is what Jesus is talking about. And here comes Nicodemus again, verses 4 and 5. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? He cannot enter into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, verse 5, Truly, truly, there it, is, there it is again, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
So verses 4 and 5. So Nicodemus is tracking with Jesus, right? you got to be born again. All right, all right, here we go. And he's tracking with Jesus right into the wall. He runs right into this wall. I can't be born again. I can't crawl back into my mother's womb. I mean, I'm not going to draw a diagram for you, right? But he's saying, I can't, I can't crawl back into my mother's womb and be born again. How can I be born again? And Jesus' answer is really interesting. Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? Jesus doesn't say how you can do it. He says how it happens. That's huge. How can I be born again? He doesn't say how you can do it. He says how it happens. He says to be born of water and the Spirit. Now, I'm going to take a break for a second. Um, I need to do a little bit of teaching for a second. Um, this is, and again, I know there's some new folks in here. I'm happy to talk to you after. I'm happy for your small group leader who's like, to come to me after and we can talk about this. Born of water and the Spirit. This is a verse that our Roman Catholic friends use to say that baptism is what starts the new birth. When you're baptized, this is what begins regenerate. And again, I'm not trying to anybody in here. I'm just, I'm teaching, all right? And come talk to me if this is something that's like, well, hold on. This is a verse that our Roman Catholic friends used to say it starts the new birth. Baptism as a baby is what makes you born again. This water is how the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. Born of water and the Spirit, right? This is wrong for a couple of reasons, okay? Number one, baptism is not mentioned in this entire text. It's what's called a dry text. Baptism is not mentioned, okay? Verse 15 says, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. 16, whoever believes in him shall not perish. 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. The focus is on belief. So it would be strange to say that baptism is the point here when it's never mentioned in the text. Baptism is how you're born again, but baptism is never mentioned. So that's one. Here's the second one, and then we'll move on. And it leads into the rest of the sermon, so just hang. Look at verse 10 for me real quick. Look at verse 10 together. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Jesus is scolding Nicodemus here. How can you not see this, Nicodemus? But baptism in Jesus' name has not been invented yet. Jesus has not died on the cross. So it doesn't make sense for Jesus to be scolding Nicodemus for something that no one else knows about except for Jesus. So the idea that this means baptism doesn't make sense here, all right? This is a dry text. This is not about baptism. So what is he talking about when he says water in the Spirit? We're going to go way back, all right? So did everyone, everyone do this? Right arm across, stretch it out. Be not, all right, good. Left arm, do some arm circles, P-E, right? No, I don't think this is cutting it, right? All right, here we go. We're going to go to Ezekiel, all right? Keep a finger in John, if you can, and go to Ezekiel chapter 36, okay? Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 and 26. I'm going to turn there too. Don't, there's no shame in the table of contents, guys. It is your friend. Ezekiel 26, 25 and 26. While you're turning there, again, if you're a note taker, you may want to write this down because this is what Jesus is referring to. Now think about it. Nicodemus is a teacher of Israel. He knows the Old Testament, right? He knows the Old Testament. So he's going to know what this is. Ezekiel chapter 36. Did I tell you the wrong one? I think I did. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 26. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 26. For the people in the back. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 26. Here we go. Now, think about, remember what he says, water and the spirit. Unless you are born of water and the Spirit. Now think about that when I read this verse, these verses. 
Ezekiel, let's all say it together. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 26. Good, here we go. Here we go. This is God, all right? This is God talking about what's going to happen in the lives of his people. This is God speaking about what's going to happen in the lives of his people. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your dirtiness and from all your idols. I will clean you. 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. There's the water in 25. He will, Jesus will cleanse our sins. And then there's the spirit. The Holy Spirit in 26 comes and gives us a new birth, a new heart, so that we have new eyes. This is the new birth that Jesus is talking about. This is what Jesus is referring to. How do I get born again? How do I become born again? How do I become a Christian? This is Nicodemus' question in verse 9, in verse 4, and it should be ours as well. Now listen, how do you become a Christian? How do you get born again? It's not so much about what you do. It's about what God does to you. This is why Nicodemus is having so much trouble swallowing this pill. He's in the Sanhedrin. He's in the Supreme Court. This is a guy that we would want to come speak at church all the time. And there would be nothing wrong with that. He's a good dude. He's an accomplished dude, right? He's awesome. He's got the two camel garage. He's rocking it, right? I got that from Matt Chandler. Let me cite my source there. Obviously, that's classic Chandler. Um, Nicodemus has spent his whole life, now follow this, Nicodemus has spent his whole life saying, I'll do this, I'll accomplish this, I'll earn this, and now all of a sudden the most important thing in his life is something he can't earn. He has spent his whole life saying, I'll do this, I'll climb here, I'll get this, and now all of a sudden to be born again, he can't just do it. That's why he's saying, how can I do this? What am I supposed to do? He's, he's losing it here. Remember Ezekiel, you are sprinkled with clean water. The emphasis is on that it's clean. You are washed, your sins and your bad deeds. Your stone heart is removed and a new heart is put in. This is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Uh, I have a friend named Cam Washington. I don't think he's spoken to youth. He's spoken to college. Um, deep voice, super cool guy. He's awesome. He's come, all right, this is what Cam, Cam works with elementary school kids. This is, what, this is how he shares the gospel with them. Listen to this. This is like 50 elementary school kids. He, he tells them all to stand up and close their eyes and put their hands by their side, which in and of itself is a miracle, right? That, that in itself is proof that God is real, that he can do that with 50 of these kids. So he's got 50 third graders standing still, eyes closed, hands by their side. Now listen, this is what Cam says to them while they're like this. This is what Cam says. This is what he says. This is your heart. Before you become a Christian, dark, unmoving, stone, can't see anything. And then Cam has a volunteer go around and give all the kids candy, tap them on the shoulder and give candy to them. And when something hits the kids' hands, they open their eyes to see what it is, and they're surprised and excited. And Cam says, this is what becoming a Christian is like, unmoving, 
can't see. And then all of a sudden your eyes are opened and your heart is full of joy. This is what God's grace does. That's the new birth. Notice the kids didn't do anything. What does Jesus say? Tell me, to enter the kingdom of God, you must become like a what? A child. This is the reality that Nicodemus cannot handle. Look at John chapter 3. Back to John 3, we're going 9 through 12. John chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can these things be? Jesus answered him and said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of things we know and testify of what we've seen and you don't accept what we say. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe them, how will you accept heavenly things? Jesus is saying, I've taken this. Nicodemus will not accept this. And Jesus says, I've taken this as far as I can with you, Nicodemus. Your heart is dead to this. You won't accept this. Except what? Christianity is like this. And I know some of you are brand new. Christianity is like this. All other world religions are. I obey, therefore I am accepted. Christianity is, I am accepted, therefore I obey. All other world religions are, I obey, therefore I am accepted. If I can obey, he'll accept me. Christianity is... He accepts me, therefore I obey. God creates a new heart in you that is accepted in His sight. And the warmth of His acceptance and joy changes our soul the way the sun changes your skin. Some of you are going to get a very rude awakening to that reality this week. But I hope you get a much deeper awakening To God changing your soul more than the sun changing your skin. 1 Peter 1.23 says this. 1 Peter 1.23 For you have been born again. This is what happens to you when you become a Christian. This is the new birth. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Through the living and enduring word of God. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Here's why this is important. The plant doesn't just look different. It's a whole new seed. The seed is the core beginning of the plant. That has changed. The leaves weren't trimmed. It's not an outside behavior change. Nicodemus already had that. Nicodemus was already on youth leadership team and valedictorian and getting all that. He was already doing it all. And Jesus says, you must be born again. It's not an outer behavioral change. The deepest part of you is changed. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.16, God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as an example of his patience. With even the worst sinners. Paul is saying, Jesus saved me, who was so terrible, to show the world that he can save anybody. The good news of the new birth in Jesus is that it can happen to anyone, anywhere. The seed can be swapped out to anyone at any time, which means it doesn't matter how you came into this week. 
God can rescue. God can save. God can uproot the whole thing. The free gift of God is a change of heart. Jesus paid the bill for a heart transplant that you never knew you needed. In John chapter 3, we leave Nicodemus unsure of what's going to happen. But that's not the last time we see him. You may just want to write these down. In John chapter 7, towards the end of the chapter, the Sanhedrin, it's Nicodemus' boys, right? The Sanhedrin are plotting and bashing Jesus, trying to figure out what to do with him. Nicodemus steps up to the podium and it says, Nicodemus, who had gone, before, who had gone to see Jesus before and who was one of them, said, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Nicodemus is defending Jesus in the Sanhedrin. Something is happening in his heart. And then we see Nicodemus one more time in John chapter 19. After Jesus has died, before he rises again in John chapter 19, 38 to 40, listen to this. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took Jesus' body away to bury it. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about 75 pounds worth. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen this was in accordance with burial customs. He helps bury Jesus' body. A very public way of saying, this is who I side with now. This is who I honor, even in death. This shows us the idea that this happens over time, right? The idea that this happens over chapters, over a period of years in Nicodemus' life, shows us the new birth, becoming a Christian, doesn't always happen instantly. It may not happen that way in your life. This may happen over time as your heart grows and changes. It may not, if you don't feel the whatevers at the event, that's okay. Okay? We have an ice cream social on Thursday night to fighting everyone at, on the last night of camp is like, <gasps> but then you have ice cream and everyone's like, oh, whatever, I'm over. You know what I mean? Like we're we're here to fight the the feeling of the feels. Okay? Because you'll know, listen, listen, you'll know. You'll know if it's for real. You will. You'll know when he changes the seed of the entire part of your heart. You'll know when he takes out the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh. Okay? But it shows us that the new birth happens over time. This story also has the most famous verse of the New Testament, John 3.16. And I wonder how long it's been since you've read that verse. And I wonder how many of you have ever read it since since you saw in that verse firsthand how much God loves you, that will change your heart. When you go back to that and read about how much God loves you, that's what changes our heart. And that's the goal of our week, to show you different conversations that Jesus has with people and how encountering Jesus changes their life. And we hope that this week, through the food, through the ocean, through the fellowship, through the singing and the, and the teaching, um, that that will happen. That's our prayer for you. So let me pray and the band will come up and we'll close out. Father, I pray that this, this week, I pray, Lord, that you would move, that these students would, would learn and love 
what's being talked about, that they would grow in wisdom, that they would grow in character, that they would grow closer to you, Lord. Help them to look back on John chapter 3 and to read through it and to learn more about it. Help discussion with the small group leaders to be fruitful. Um, Help this week, Lord, as we have quiet time, as we have a chance to, to just hang out in your word. I pray that what you would do, I, I pray that you would do an awesome thing, Lord. I pray that this week would matter. But God, far be it from us to look out and say, well, we don't see any change. We don't see anything. Help us to believe, Lord, and to see with kingdom eyes that you're doing something awesome, that you can change an old heart of perishable seed and you can swap it out for a new heart of imperishable seed in an instant. You can change someone's heart in an instant. And we pray that you would do that this week, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.